Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. up everyone welcome back week seven of the big east bar room coming to you live one day early this week i uh, just watched the saint john's versus DePaul game finished up i uh, thought we could get to you guys a day early maybe you could start the week on monday and we could beat any of the games playing um right how you doing doing well um i thought we had a few really really high level games this week that i'm excited to talk about uh the volume starting to narrow down this is the we're doing the second to last week. Tomorrow we'll start the last week of regular season ball for Big East. So, um, you know, it's crunch time. And we'll talk about, you know, some teams getting eliminated pretty much from the postseason, uh, barring a Big East tournament championship. So, um, Yeah, you know. I, think, I think that's a good point. Where a lot of the show now can kind of go into focus about what teams are going to be contenders come, um, you know, a tournament, the Big East tournament, uh, things of that nature. I do also think it's really important um, – for teams to be peaking right now. Um, everyone talks about peaking at the right time, peaking when you're supposed to be going. Um, you want to be playing your best basketball right now. And for a few teams, they're definitely playing their best basketball. It's good. The top of the Big East really looks like out of the top three teams that are playing their best basketball right now. Um, and you hope to keep that up because the Big East being good in the tournament, I know that we get into the rivalries and everything, but the Big East being good in the NCAA tournament is kind of what brings them back to being – um, you know, that high power five school, power six school. Yeah, um, especially and, and that's basketball. what's kind of fun about the NCAA tournament is that we get to root for whatever the Big East team is. Um, for the last few months since non-conference schedule ended, you know, it's been Big East versus Big East. And, and uh, you know, you have to root against somebody if you have any stake in the game. But once the NCAA tournament starts, you can root for whatever the Big East team is. So, um, you know. We're Big East loyalists, and we'll root for whoever they're playing against. Yeah, and I, I, you know, you should be, you should start to get excited. You know, we're about, we're gonna have a bracket. Uh, I think two weeks from today, um, in our hands, and it's starting. We're getting, we're getting going right now. Um, so very exciting. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, you want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's go over the week that was in college basketball. All right, we're starting with Tuesday night, one of those high-level games I mentioned. Number 21, UConn defeat number 8, Villanova, 71-69. to Adama Sinogo goes for 20 points and 6 rebounds. RJ Cole goes for 12 points in the game-winning layup. For Villanova, Colin Gillespie, 17 points, 4 assists. And Brandon Slater, 15 points, 4 rebounds. Not enough. Uh, moving over to Wednesday, we had Creighton playing St. John's. Creighton edges them out, 81-78. Uh, for Creighton, Ryan Hawkins with 25 points and 12 rebounds. Ryan Cockbrenner, 19 points. Trey Alexander, 16. Uh, while Creighton did get the win, they get a big, dealt a big loss. Ryan Nemhart, tough scene, goes down um, with a wrist injury right away. He's saying to everyone he broke it. Uh, it's confirmed the next day that he will miss the rest of the season. So tough for the freshman of the year candidate for the Big East. Uh, for St. John's, Mantis, Mantis had 15 points. Uh, Posh with 13. And Champagne, we had just been singing his praises, only had 8 points on 3 of 16 shooting. Later that night, number 11, Providence defeats Xavier 99-92 in double overtime. Uh, Jared Byam goes for 27 points, 4 assists, 6, and uh, Ari J. Reeves goes for 16 points on 5 of 8 from 3. 
for the Musketeers. Adam Kunkel chips in 20 points. Paul Scruggs goes for 19 points, and he does hit that great game tie uh, that sends it to double OT. But uh, in, the, in the second overtime, Providence pulled it out. And wrapping up your Wednesday slate, Butler visited Seton Hall, and Seton Hall wins 66-60. For Butler, Bo Hodges went for 25 points and 7 rebounds. Bryce Enzies getting 12. For Seton Hall, Jerry Roden led the way with 17, and Tyrese Samuel chipped in 14 points as well. Moving over to Thursday night, DePaul defeats Georgetown 68-65. Javon Freeman-Liberty goes for 25 points and 7 rebounds. URNA, 11.7 rebounds. For Georgetown, Amina Muhammad went for 18 points and 9 rebounds. Donald Carey chipped in 15. Came up a little short. Uh, Saturday, we started our day with Butler going against Marquette. It was a hard-fought game, but Marquette does win by 8 points, 64-56. For Butler, Bryce Golden with 14 points. Aaron Thompson had 12, and Bryce Enzi with 11-11. and 11. For Marquette, they were led by their senior leader, Daryl Morsell, who had 16 points, and Justin Lewis chipped in 11 as well. Later that day, Seton Hall defeats Xavier 82-66. Jaron Roden puts up a 30-piece. Drake Jackson chips in 17 points on perfect shooting, 5 of 5 from 3. For Xavier, Colby Jones goes for a double-double, 20 points and 10 rebounds. Zach Fremantle goes, gets 11 points and 3 of 5 from 3, some outside shooting, but it wasn't enough. Uh, finishing up the day, Providence takes home their Big East regular season championship, beating Creighton, 72-51. Creighton, led by Ryan Kochbrenner's 13 points and 9 rebounds, and Alex O'Connell's 12 points. Uh, for Providence, in the winning effort, A.J. Reeves had 23, and Al Durham and Nate Watson both chipped in 12. Congratulations to the Friars. I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but they win their first Big East regular season championship. Moving over to Sunday afternoon, number 21, UConn defeats Georgetown, 86-77, in a game that wasn't that close. So R.J. Cole goes for 18 points. Tyrese Martin goes for 9 points, 14 rebounds. Um, for the Hoyas, Dante Harris chips in 23, and Amina Muhammad 16. You're going to have to keep going because I did not take any notes on the St. John's game. And the game that up. we just finished here, DePaul defeats St. John's 99-94. to Javon Freeman-Liberty with the new Big East scoring performance high, 39 points and 7 rebounds. David Jones for the Blue Demons goes a double-double, 24 points, 10 rebounds. For the Red Storm, Julian Champagne gets 26.6 rebounds, and Aaron Wheeler goes for 20.7 rebounds. All right. We're now going to go into trending up, trending down, stock up, stock down. Uh, do you want to – I guess I'll start us off because you just had two in a row. So I'm going to start with my stock up of the week. I'm going to go with a team that got last week, but now I'm going to go for different reasons. UConn. Um, Tuesday was a – you know, people kind of – I saw a lot of, you know, UConn – plays a lot of these types of games they should be used to winning them UConn hasn't played a game like Tuesday in a long time um maybe against Houston they see they hadn't played a game where they you know that kind of environment against a top 10 team that they realistically had a chance of winning um and they went in there and you know Villanova you know it'd be different I think if Villanova played badly I, I thought Villanova played a pretty good game um they shot the ball well and, you know, UConn's down five four with 35 seconds left and Caleb Daniels going to the line for a one-on-one um, I was in the building. It was crazy environment, you know, but at that point you're thinking Hurley had been ejected. You're thinking, what the heck did he just do? It was going to be crazy because, you know, he gets ejected in the first half. And while I thought Kimani Young was great, you know, it's not Dan Hurley. You lost one of your better um, assets to the team. So, you know, it was really kind of a down atmosphere. People were starting to leave. And then Caleb Daniels misses the free throw. UConn calls a timeout. They drop a play. I really like that UConn decided to go for three there. Sometimes you'll see them try to trade baskets, foul, trade baskets, foul. You don't want to 
do that with the Villanova team. That's a good free throw shooting team. Polly hits the three. Um, Gillespie, I'm going to put in quotes, gets a jump ball. <laughs> Cole gets a jump ball. Um, I know some of the angles were tough, and it definitely looked like Cole was uh, all over his arms. Um, but, you know, credit UConn for putting themselves in a situation like that. Um, then RJ Cole takes the ball. They get the lab. Um, then RJ Cole takes a charge to end the game. Um, so that was a crazy game. They took care of business today by beating Georgetown. Um, I know they only won by nine, but that was a 20-point game until they put in the uh, you know, the last people on the bench. And Patrick Ewing had his or borderline Jawan Howard moment where he was pressing um, the Roswell Diggins. And, I don't think Danny Hurley's throwing hands with Patrick Ewing. No, he's, goodness. He's Patrick Ewing could reach over him. the thing. Yeah. Um, but what the main reason I want to give UConn a lot of credit um, or a lot of stock up right now is, you know, we just talked about peaking at the right time. And we've said all year that UConn goes as far as their bench does right now. We know that the three-headed monster of Martin, Cole, and Sonogo are going to get you points. Um, who else is going to do that? And Tyler Polly's last two games, he scored a combined 20 points, so averaging 10 a game. And Jordan Hawkins had 11 points today, with including a thunderous dunk. A Cook came back today, um, had some minutes. So just having a bench for UConn. Um, they also play Creighton this week, and it's a big game for UConn because if they win, they will be on the three-seed line. Um, for the Big East tournament, um, which is where UConn wants to be a double buy, um, and not having to play the five seed, having to play the winner of the six uh, eleven matchup, which will be Georgetown versus someone. So, um, I thought UConn really had a kind of a, you know, Hur- Hurley's been saying for a while we're coming, and it was kind of a we're we're here, we're we're that team now. Um, I do think that you know Villanova is still the class of the Big East, but I do think that there is an argument to be made that UConn. You know, along yeah. with Providence and other teams, could definitely win the Big East tournament. I think, um, you know, some people will say that UConn was a little lucky to pull off the game against Villanova. Um, but for me, you know, that's one take, and there's always going to be 50-50 calls. The fact that RJ Cole put himself in that position to, you know, turn that game around in the last 31 seconds. Uh, he jar- he drew the charge, gets the, gets the steal on the tie-up, and gets a game-winning bucket. I mean, that was as good of a 30-second sequence as you're going to see in college basketball. Um, you know, I, I just find it tough for anyone to talk about being lucky when Dan Hurley got ejected from that game and gave them points with his back turned. Um, it's just I think that maybe it was amplified at the end because two 50-50 calls, if you want to say. I think the charge was legitimately a charge. I do think that the jump ball was a foul. Yeah. Um, I think R.J. Cole also something, you know, I could be totally wrong. R.J. Cole's drawn 20 charges this year. I think um, – for the rest now, he has a reputation that if, you know, he's going to get those borderline calls right now. If he's in the right position and he's drawn it, you know, and he's doing it. I mean, it's weird to see anyone get a call over Gillespie because Gillespie is such a, you know, a great player. You know, he draws so many fouls. Um, but I think, you know, you see Cole in that position right now. If you're a ref and it's 50-50, Cole's going to kind of get the benefit of the doubt uh, that he's in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he did. He has been doing that, and he's really stepped up in the second half of the season. He also gets the push-off call with under three minutes off of Gillespie. I don't know how many times you're going to see Colin Gillespie get called for two offensive fouls in the final three minutes of a close of course. game. Because he also has a reputation, obviously. He's been here five years, and he's yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Villanova and, and all of that. Um, I legitimately think that the refs went in at halftime, looked at the whole Hurley sequence, and realized they had ejected it a guy with his back turned. Well, I thought Hurley fully deserved the first technical and Hurley can sometimes get out of control. Yeah. To eject, and I don't want this to become a Big East refs thing because I'm guessing there's bad refs in every conference. Um, I mean, the refs inserted themselves in that game in certain points 
for absolutely no reason. Um, and objectively, you know, it's kind of weird because you go on Twitter after and unilaterally people are just like that. You can't do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously that ejection was really weird. The Big East comes out and says it was two judgment calls. So we're not going to comment on it. For myself, although I agree with you, I think Danny Hurley has to be smarter than that and can't put himself in that position because before he turns his back, he is yelling at the rest, yes. F you, F you, um, after getting teed up the first time. And he can't get ejected from that game. He's very lucky he has one of the best assistant coaches in the conference, Kamani Young, uh, to step in at that point. Um, and it's not the first time we've seen him lose control at the end of games against Xavier. He gets teed up, gives him free points. Oh, that was in the middle of the that. game, the beginning of the I game. I believe that was in the last No, this this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. one was in the first 15 minutes. It's not the first time in big moments yeah. um, we've seen them Absolutely. give them points. So. Yeah, and Hurley's definitely got to keep his cool. I do think him, there's not enough good things to say about Kamani Young after this. I thought, um, again, going for a three instead of a two, having to play for Tyler Polly ready to go. Um, Tyler probably obviously hits it and makes him, you know, you yeah. look real good when people are hitting threes. I, th- I thought that Villanova-UConn game was just a, you know, two heavyweights going back and forth at it. Kind of like that Providence-Villanova game at the beginning of the, you know, that they played in Providence. Um, and, I you know, I obviously I was thrilled that UConn got out of there with a win, but I thought it was a, you know, kind of that moment where UConn's, UConn's been waiting for. Yeah, I agree. So. Who are you going with yours? So my first stack up is going to be Seton Hall. Um, the they have been going through kind of a tough stretch. And uh, this week they go 2-0. and And it looks like they've kind of figured it out. They've kind of turned it around in a way that we haven't seen since they lost Bryce Aiken. And that's really exciting to see. Um, I was on the podcast, I believe, either a week or two ago where I said, when I watch them, I think that they're missing a shooter. Well, Trey Jackson's decided to be that shooter right now. Most appropriately named person in he college basketball. Five of five from three. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty incredible. And it, it was more than just Trey Jackson. I was really impressed with all of their offensive weapons. Um, Jameer Harris tallied in a, quite a few points. Miles Kale was really nice getting to the basket. And they've realized with Kadari Richmond, who we ragged on kind of earlier yeah. in the season, Kadari Richmond. He's very turnover prone. He was. Um, he's really limited that a lot, and they've kind of started running ISO with him and Jared Roden. And if you have two guys that you can run ISO with, um, you could be dangerous in the tournament. And Kadari Richmond getting post-ups on guards. Well, it's basically an inverted offense right now that they're running, kind of like Nova does. They're putting Kadari Richmond out there and letting Trey Jackson, one of their mm-hmm. big shoot. Yeah. Um, I know it's not quite to the level Villanova does, but they Villanova loves running that play with Gillespie where they... Yeah, uh, they don't run it quite the same way where they play four out in Kadari Richmond. They'll yeah. run a lot of empty side ball screens where Kadari takes his man straight into the post, um, tries to draw help and dishes out. Um, and, and then having Trey Jackson on the floor to space the floor, if he's going to shoot like this, is a total game changer. Um, Jameer Harris can shoot. Jared Roden's been shooting better of late. He puts up 30 points in this game, not all from 30 um but he's been really nice so Seton Hall all of a sudden looks like they're playing back up to their potential kind of where we saw them earlier in the season and I think they could be very dangerous yeah um, in 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 the tournament yep I said last week that I think one of the things that uh is going to benefit Seton Hall is now that we kind of know that Bryce is going to be out for the season um what it looks like from the Willard quotes I think people aren't you know trying to tread water anymore they realize this is it this is the team we have we got to figure it out um, and it, the confidence that they played with this week, Trey Jack, or not Trey Jackson, Kari Richmond knows he's a starting point guard now. He's going to be the point guard for the rest of the year. Um, Roden knows he's going to have to do a lot of the, you know, he's going to have to do a lot of the scoring. Um, it just looked like they were a different team this week. And I just kind of the g- turnaround has been um, since uh, Willard came out with those comments, yeah. basically saying uh, Aiken's done. So 
you know, I don't know. I can't guarantee that's the reason why, but I do think it's interesting that they they've turned it around. No, he's running uh pretty high level offensive schemes. He's hunting mismatches and just letting his ISO guys go to work, which yeah. is something you see from like you know the very best coaches in the league. That's something UCLA was doing against Villanova. That's not normal college basketball scheming. Um, yeah. so that's been kind of surprising, and uh, it, it's definitely paid off for them. So, um. If their offense is going, we all know they have the athleticism and the rebounding uh, on defense. Uh, they could be really dangerous. Yeah, just wish that Bryce was here to see that you know what was going on here. Hopefully, he's uh, getting better. Yeah. Um, Who's uh, your next stock up? Uh, my last stock up. I'm gonna go with Providence. Um, I think that you know, beating and uh, normally in a week that uh, they would it took three overtimes to beat Xavier. Um, and then beating Creighton, you know, the day after or a few days after a very emotional thing happened with Nemhart. Um, would it normally warrant? It's, you know, it's a very, it's, 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 but I think it shows how far Providence has come that when they have a two and a week against two pretty good biggie schools, at least middle of the pack biggie schools, um, it doesn't really move the needle for us because that's how good, um, Providence has been this year. Um, but they deserve all the credit in the world. This is kind of a stock up for the year. Um, winning a Big East championship, um, regular season championship. Uh, you know, they have, you know, fought and they have so many different players that can beat you on a given day. Um, Jared Bynum's looking like he's one of the best point guards in the Big East all of a sudden after, you know, kind of being an afterthought for some of the season. Absolutely. Um, Nate Watson can just take over games at certain points where at the beginning of the year, that was kind of where their offense was. And now it's like Horkler and Manaya and, you know. Durham the closer Dur- and um, Ed Croswell chips in a lot. Yeah. You know, he can get overlooked. I agree with you, Jared Bynum. Uh, that game against Xavier, just unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, he's hitting shots from almost the logo. He's running right past people. It looked like he could score at will. Um, and who saw that coming after last year? I love yeah. Dead Cooley's quote. He's making a lot of people look stupid right now. And he is. He's oh, making yeah, me sure. look stupid because I sure didn't see this coming. Yeah, so, I mean, I, this is a light or a season-long stock-up Providence. Um, Ed Cooley, coach of the year. I don't think there's – we've said so many nice things about them. I don't really think – I'm not going to sit here and waste a ton of time. Um, it just, I think we, Providence is just that good this year. They deserve everything they're getting. Um, and good How far can you see them going in the NCAA tournament? It's going to be tough. Um, I think one of the things is when you don't have, like, that alpha, alpha, like, and I, do, I don't want to say that because I think a Providence has a bunch of alphas, but, like, more of that, like, you don't have the one guy you're relying on. It can be a benefit and it can be hard. Like, if you get down in a tough stretch, um, you want a guy you can go to for a bucket. They have a few, but um, I could see Providence making a um, second weekend run. I don't know, you know, how it's going to depend on the draw for them, obviously. Um, and I could see one of two things happening. I could see us sitting here second weekend of the tournament saying, wow, thank God Providence played all those close games because they really know how to win. Or I could say, wow, Providence kind of had a lot played with a lot of fire this year playing that many close games. It's a shame they lost early in the tournament. Um, I lean that they can figure it out and they can continue to win games. You know, they figured out they know how to win. Yep. Um, all they do is win. But I don't, you know, I do, there is still some of me that's like, well, one of these one possession games that they play, they're just not going to be able to. Just goes the wrong way. It just, yeah, the, it bounces the wrong way. So I will say, looking forward to the NCAA tournament, two of their three losses. So their loss against Villanova, Villanova just incredible shot making. It's yeah. outscored them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but their two other losses were against really good defensive teams. It was Marquette when Marquette was hitting its stride on defense. And Virginia, which is pack line, Tony Bennett, uh, always. Boring basketball. Boring basketball. Boring basketball. Boring basketball. Uh, 
So, you know, for me, if I'm them and I'm looking at some of these proposed brackets, simulated brackets, that's what I'm worried about is seeing some of the really elite defensive teams in the country, um, really high athletic teams, uh, long, you know, disruptive in the passing lanes. I think that is probably their biggest weakness uh, because they're a very balanced team, but not overly athletic. Yeah, Uh, and I think they've run into the right team on the wrong day. It could be... You know, it could be over early, but it could be over for anyone early. I'm not – UConn could lose a first-round game. UConn could get a huge upset. Um, I'm not saying this is a bad thing in Providence. I just no, – I, I, I sure hope that they – I be- absolutely believe they can make the Elite Eight if they, um, yeah. you know, if they because come they, out and play good games, like we all know that they could, and like Ed Cooley's had them ready for every game they've played this year, I absolutely believe they're an Elite Eight yes. good team. And you get to the end of a game, you know who you're giving the ball to. Um, yeah. And while that helps at the end of the game, I just worry about if you get into – the beginning of a second half or something, and you just can't score. Will they go back to Nate and just feed him? Because right now it seems like they get away from that way too yeah. easily, feeding and him the ball. I agree. Um, so hopefully hopefully it's good for the Big East when the Providence is good right now. Um, it creates another rivalry for everyone. So uh, who are you going with your stock down? Okay, so it's not quite a stock down because they did win. They're 1-0 in a week, but I'm saying stock concerned on the Marquette. Um, I had the chance to watch the whole Marquette-Butler game. They pull it off in the end, but wow, was that an ugly basketball game. And um, some kind of some of their Achilles heels that we've already all recognized really almost came to bite them against Butler. Now, this is a team that's going to the NCAA tournament. They're going to be playing teams a lot better than Butler, uh, who are going to take advantage of these weaknesses a lot better than Butler did. But they're rebounding. They lose the rebounding battle to Butler by six. Um, and their offense kind of disappeared outside of Darren Marcel, who goes 5 of 11 with 16 points. Um you know, Justin Lewis ends up with 11 points on a high-volume, low-efficiency day. He had a couple buckets down the stretch, but he started off shooting about 0 for 5. Couldn't hit a three-point shot to save his life. Finished 0 of 6, I believe, on the day. Um, and, you know, nobody else really came close to double digits. Greg Elliott was the next closest with seven points on an inefficient day as well. He tried taking the ball to the basket a little bit, um, which got him a couple points, a couple of shots. But, um, you know... If it wasn't for Daryl Morcel, they don't win that game. And I'm kind of concerned if when they're playing high-quality uh, high quality teams in the NCAA tournament, how that's going to work out for them. Yeah, you know, you you hope that they can bring that toughness day in and day out. Um, I'm very surprised. You know, Kirk Hoath started the season really well, but to be only averaging four rebounds is just not good enough. Uh, not from your five men. Yeah, it's just not. You know, they need to be a lot better than that. Um I think everything you said is right. I, I worry that they peak too early, um, you know, and... The defensive intensity does seem to be down. Uh, they gave up a lot of points in the first five minutes, and then they, they kind of um, locked in a little bit better. They got some steals, they got some deflections, but not at the level we were seeing earlier, not at the level that swept Villanova earlier in the season. And they're, they're the second-worst rebounding team in the conference. Um, only Butler's ahead of, behind them, and Butler just beat them in the rebounding category. Um yeah, I, I I would be concerned if I was a prov or a Marquette fan. I mean, it ends up being a really good win, and again, can't stress this enough. All you do is you keep it moving in the Big East. Like, there's no good, there's no, unless you lose to Georgetown, there's no bad, terrible losses that you can't come back from. Um, so to get a win is great, and they could come out next game and look amazing. But so I, they've I, got I, DePaul, I think they've got at DePaul and versus St. John's is to finish up the regular season. So, um, you know, not two of the highest level opponents. Uh, St. John's and DePaul can definitely steal one from you, but 
they're not the hardest people to play, so hopefully they can figure it out and bring some of that intensity. You know both St. John's and DePaul will bring intensity, so they need to kind of regain some of their midseason form if they want to make a deep run to the tournament. I agree. Um, my stock down is, if I can find my notes, um, Creighton, and I'm not going to talk about it long um, because I think their stock down is kind of what I said for Providence last week, except um, without Durham getting hurt. Although, congratulations to Al Durham. Made me look like an idiot. Toughest. Um, that was crazy. A sports hernia. Again, I could only go off of what I saw from DJ LeMay, the Yankees' uh, second, third baseman last year. One of the toughest guys I had ever seen play sports get to sports hernia and misses playoff games. Um, Al Durham was back out there and looked effective. Um, well, when he wasn't going hobbling back to the locker yeah, room true. twice against Xavier and then comes back out, I mean, that guy is woof, tough. But uh, Creighton, we know that we're not going to see Ryan Nemhard again this season, um, which is a shame. They were really kind of in a good spot, the Fighting Ryans um, of Cockburner, Hawkins, and Nemhard. Uh, Nemhard leads that team. You're um, real sad about this because you have to change your nickname, huh? Yeah, no, they're still the Fighting Ryan. Now we're fighting for Ryan. Fighting, okay. oh, fighting I like for that. Ryan. I liked it. Um, and, you know, they they win that St. John's game right after he did it. You know, it was a terrible scene. You know, McDermott's hugging him the whole time while he's on the ground. Terrible scene. They put it in an air cast right away. Um, they fight, they beat St. John's. Wow. Great. You know, and then you're like, all right, this team might be able to, you know, play with some, you know, they're playing for something now. They go out and they lose by 21 to Providence. Um, Providence again, won the Big East championship. Not a lot of teams have beat Providence. That's why they won the championship. But, uh, it just, I don't see a path for them to do a whole lot anymore without Nemhard. Um, you're kind of relying on Ryan Hawkins to get a lot of points and a lot of shots up um, with O'Connell. Cockbrenner doesn't real Cockbrenner is not a real offensive threat. So I would go with my stock down. Unfortunately, it's for Creighton just because I think that kind of just zapped a lot of right. the good things they were So doing. they're trying to get Trey Alexander, their sixth man freshman, to play the point at this point. Uh, I thought he didn't look terrible against Providence at the point. Um, He's obviously, he needs to learn, and he needs to learn pretty quick. He's not a natural ball handler. I don't believe he uh, was played the point in high school. I'd be surprised. He was off-ball guard when he came, you know, what he was doing off the bench for Creighton. So I agree with you, barring some kind of miracle, that pretty much is uh, going to make it hard for Creighton to advance. Absolutely. And we'll, and we'll see. Um, hopefully I'm wrong, and McDermott, you know, McDermott's proved me wrong all year. So, But right now, the stock has to be down that the freshman of the year isn't going to be there for the, any longer. And get better soon, Mr. Nemhard. Yeah, just such an important position on the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, you can cover up missing your two or three. Um, but, you know, the ball handler. And Ryan Nemhard, is not, it's not talked about that he was second in the conference for minutes per game. He didn't come off the floor hardly. They weren't training anybody else to be a ball handler. I think... Uh, Andrew Kalashvili uh, was the backup point guard who played about five minutes at the point. Um, and he's not going to step in to play big minutes right now. That was not the decision. So I don't – not with this much time left. I mean, you hate to see it, say it, but if it happened a little earlier, maybe they would have had time to adjust. Yeah, um, yeah an injury just changes the outlook of where they're at. Yeah. So your stock down? All right, so my other stock down, and we already kind of touched on this. But what I'm going to say for Stockdown is Villanova's offensive strategy. So, against UConn, we saw them a lot try to get Gillespie and Moore in the post, ISO post, um, invert their offense, where they play four out and put Gillespie right there in the middle of the paint and get him to the post feed. Um, 
We've talked about it before that other teams are hunting RJ Cole in the post because they don't think he can guard, which uh, did not seem to be the case against Villanova. Um, but they did get some good looks. Here was the problem all game long. Brandon Slater and Jermaine Samuels didn't want to shoot the three. Yes. And I love Jermaine Samuels, and Brandon Slater's a really nice piece out there. And Jermaine Samuels does so much for the team that um, is underrated. But he's shooting 25% from three right now. He shot 37% last year. Um, Brandon Slater shooting 33% from three. He shot 41% last year. You've seen serious reduction in, uh, in their shooting percentages. And you can't really run the inverted offense if your big guys can't shoot from the outside. Because we saw it all game long. When Gillespie could get Cole in the post, UConn would bring help, leave Samuels open, Gillespie would dish out to him, and, and Samuels didn't want to take his shots. He ends up, I believe, shooting three to six. Yeah. But there was a lot of shots he passed up. Um, he turned the ball over a couple times trying to drive off of those empty closeouts. So. It reminded me a lot of how you uh, Creighton game plan against UConn where they just left Isaiah Whaley open, and Isaiah Whaley went four of eight, and that was awesome, but... It was like, well, Isaiah Whaley didn't want to shoot every time he touched the ball. Um, and, you know, I wonder if they're going to game plan for that. Slater looked like he had a fine shot. I know Samuels has struggled with his shot all season. So um, they definitely need the confidence back in those two guys. Or they need to play. They can't play them together right now. You might have to go but with. But they don't have the shooters coming off the bench for the bigs either. I mean, Eric Dixon was shooting a pretty good percentage. You have to play more and Daniels together. Play more Daniels and Gillespie, and that's a small team. And then. But they've been doing that with Slater and Sanders yeah. at the five. Well, then just play Dixon at the five and put and I'm not have sure that Slater they, at the they four. Dixon is that much better of a shooter either. Well, if you play, I, I just think you're going to have to do something. If you have three shooters on the floor, it's harder to I do. I think they'll have to stop running inverted offense yeah. if they can't get Jermaine Samuels to shoot with confidence. A, a lot of this year, he had been shooting. Even though he hadn't been shooting a good percentage, clearly Wright was telling him just keep putting up the shots. Yeah. Um, but against that UConn game, he hesitated a lot. And uh, I... I you know, it made that kind of offensive strategy that they've been running untenable. For sure, it's something to keep an eye on, I think, as we move, you know, into the tournament season. Yeah. Um, my last stock down is Xavier. Um, I think Xavier's closer to a bubble team now than, you know, being ranked. Uh, they're 17 and 11. 11 losses is a lot um, right now. Um, the good thing is they don't have terrible losses. They lose that heartbreaker to Providence um, three overtimes. You know, Scruggs kept them in the game. I really think that if um, the floor didn't start, you know, wasn't soaking wet at the dunk in the last five minutes, uh, they might have been able to hold them off. But it was a really, really high-level basketball game. Um, and then they come out and they, let you know, they kept it close for Seton Hall for a while, but they end up laying an egg at the end and losing by 16 points. Um, I think that this team is way too talented to be a middling Big East team. Uh, when you have Paul Scruggs, who's a senior, Jack Nungy, who's a senior, I believe, too, Zach Fremantle, who's a junior, Colby Jones, Nate Johnson. Like, you just have so many pieces that this team should never have been a middling team. Um, this team should be the third or fourth best team in the Big East, and right now they're struggling to be the sixth or seventh. Um, so we're going to have to see where they go from here. I really just, you know, they. I thought this week they could kind of prove that they were the top of that middle, you know, that Creighton um, – Seton Hall, um, St. John's, like, type of things. And they, to me, they just didn't prove that. Um, so. so I will say this. I thought for most of the game, it wasn't so much Xavier played poorly as Seton Hall played really well. Um, I thought Seton Hall was kind of firing on all cylinders, and Xavier kept, you know, tightening the game up, but they got it down to, like, eight and six a couple times midway into the second half, and then they disappeared in the last 
seven or eight minutes, um, which isn't what you want. But, you know, Jack Nunji's really disappeared in the last few games after, uh, you know, had putting up almost an all-conference season. He was right there in the discussion. I don't believe he had 10 points in the game against Seton Hall. Um, so I think that they, you know, they got to figure out exactly what they're doing. Their defense, they keep throwing different looks out there, and none of them are really working well. Their defense hasn't been great. Their offense, they certainly have the weapons, um, but they don't have them all going. And let's also mention that Nate Johnson is still not there. And uh, Nate Johnson was an underrated piece. Yeah. Jack Nungy's last three games... Um, three losses, I believe. Yes, UConn, Providence, Seton Hall. Um, he has nine. He's averaging nine points a game while shooting fourteen percent from three, thirty-six um, percent overall. Uh, just has kind of disappeared yeah. down the stretch. Just the last three, which so. is definitely weird. Um, because he had been shooting from three very well before that. Uh, I believe he was at one point their best three-point shooter. Um, and before that, he was scored twenty-two, twenty-two, and twenty-two three-shoot games. So, uh. They, they need Jack Nunji to be Jack Nunji for them to be, go where they want to go, or they need Zach Fremantle to knock down his threes, which he started to do against Seton Hall. But. Well, they run a ton of pick-and-pop options, and uh, if Jack Nunji is not hitting any threes, it kind of eliminates a lot of their offensive gameplay. All right, so we thought instead we would uh, move some things around, and we're going to do our little, you know, the little barroom chatter that uh, we normally do, but... I thought of an idea, and I we've done no preparation for this, so I'm apologizing in advance if you don't like our teams. But I thought it'd be fun to draft the Big East against each other, um, and take I think five players and one coach. Right? Is that what we want to do? Sure, let's do it like that. Um, five players, one coach. Do you want to go with a six man or no? Well, let's see where we get. All right. So we're going to draft. Uh, we're going to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and you're just going to have to believe us when we say, I'll yell what we both have. So that'll be great. Please don't yell. Um, what we both throw out there. And we're going to draft. Just, you know, see where we're at with this. Maybe our rankings have changed a lot, but I'm interested to see. So ready? I only throw rock. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You believe me. That's, you know, that's I'm a good I beat him, guys, because he told me what he was going to throw. Do you want the first pick or the second pick? Is this a snake draft? Are you? Am I getting the... Are you getting the second and third, and then I'm getting no, the fourth? No, forget that. Why? That's, that's too complicated. That's, it's, it's a snake. I'm first pick every time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you should just get the first pick. Yeah, I'm going to take the first pick. That doesn't seem fair, but I guess we'll take it. Um, you first know, pick in the draft. I'm going to start with Con Gillespie. He's not putting up the, the best stats in the league, although he's not that far off. But I think in terms of leadership, in terms of experience, you're not going to do any better than him as your first pick. And that doesn't seem fair because if this is a snake draft, Tyler would be able to pick another one. Uh, you do have to draft the five positions. I don't know if I told you yeah, that yeah. before. Um, not in order, obviously, but you do have to take them. Um, I am going to take... Do I want to go... How do I want to build my team? I want to take Adam Sinogo. Um, I think that he's the best big man in the Big East right now, and uh, I think that his usage rate will kind of cover up that I'm not going to have Colin Gillespie on my team when we're playing against you. So I should now have the next pick, but Ryan said that too complicated, everyone. So That's very complicated. Yeah. Um, if you're taking the second pick, the third pick in the Big East draft, Ryan selects... Give me Justin Lewis. That was going to be my first um, pick. He gives you so much versatility on offense. You know, he's a, he's a three-level scorer at the four position, which you don't see very often. He shoots well from the outside, and he's able to drive guys. So we see that him do that every now and then. We saw a big dunk from him 
against Butler this week. Um, he's struggling a little bit recently, but I think he's going to figure it out. And I don't know um, if the idea is that you get them for four years, but he's only a sophomore. Ooh. Yeah, I think you should get him for four. Uh, no, I would say that we get just game this year, but that's a... Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to go with my the fourth pick in the Big East draft. I'm going to take, while I stall, while I think about who I'm going to take, because um, I am going to take, I'm going to take Posh Alexander. Um, I know it might not be a, the, he might not even make the first team Big East. Uh, defensively, get him off that St. John's team and let him play defense with rest, a team that plays defense. Um, and he is a willing passer, can shoot. Um, I'd sad not to take, I think the second, who I think is actually the second best point guard, but I think, um, Posh Alexander's defense gives him the edge over Cole for me, at least at the point guard position. Okay. Um, who do I want? I'm looking for a defensive stud, um, some athleticism, some length. That's kind of what I'm missing right now. Uh, does that scream anybody to you? Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you who it is because uh, I, I might want them. Um, <laughs> if I told you who I thought you should pick, that would be silly. The 3MD guy? You know, this doesn't describe who I just said at all, but give me Jared Roden. Yeah. Um, at the 3 Jared or at the 2, depending That's on who I team. take later. Uh, I think Jared Roden, you know, obviously what he gives you on offense, and he does have a lot of length. Yeah, which covers up a lot of stuff on defense. He's a little underrated there. He gets hands in passing lane. Uh, I'll take Roden. Jared Roden going to Ryan with the fifth pick in the draft. Uh, I need a sharpshooter, and I'm going to take, I think, the best shooter in the league, and that is Justin Moore. Uh, he is a put him on my team any day, makes the right play 99.9% of the time. Um, and he plays defense. My team right now is playing defense. Posh Alexander, Justin Moore, and Adama Sinoga. That's true. Is playing defense. You do um, you you have the better defensive team than me right now. I think I have the better offensive team. Oh yeah, but your guys are gonna get mad at each other because Jared Roden and Justin Lewis are gonna both be trying to shoot the ball thirty times, and Con Gillespie is gonna have to try to keep him calm. Lewis doesn't run a ton of ISO uh, as much as Roden does. Roden definitely is a ball dominant player, but he, you know he's fairly efficient at it. So what are you gonna say? Who are you going with with your third pick fourth in the draft? Pick, fourth fourth pick. pick in the draft. Oh yeah, I forgot you cheated. Um. Let's see. Who I again I, I would like some length, some defensive prowess. I know who I would take, but I can't tell you. Because I would be cheating. I'll need a five. Yeah, but the five you could take at the end because I already have Sonogo. Oh, okay. That's a good advice. No, 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 never mind. I think you should take your five early. Yeah, I shouldn't have taken Posh till the end. Um If I'm taking a two I'm doubling down on Marquette. Give me Daryl Morsell. Darn it. I was thinking about taking Daryl Morsell. I was going to play him at the three. Or uh, play Justin I mean, Martin. you're just not going to fa- find better on-ball defense, clutch shooting, and uh, leadership. You give me Colin Gillespie and Daryl Morsell. I think they might be two of the best leaders in the conference. Yeah. Uh, and Morsell can slot into the two very easily. So, um, I think you're right that I do need some more scoring. So I'm going to take the guy who I think is one of the best shooters also in the Big East, and that's Ryan Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play him at the four. Um, he averages almost a double-double. He is a great three-point shooter. He plays some defense. He's a little bit challenged uh, 
you know, with his movement. Very, yeah, not the fastest laterally. But I also really like what he's done this year, and he's going to go get you a bucket when he needs to. So I'm going to take Ryan Hawkins with my fourth pick in the draft. Who are you rounding out your starting five with? You need a center. I need a five-man, unless I plan on playing Lewis at the five. I, I think that put, makes me too vulnerable to... To true five man, give me Nate Watson. That's an easy one. Nate the great. Um, especially if I'm matching up against you, I you need a true five that can play in the post, defend the post. Nate Watson's as strong as anybody. Um, you know, I'm thinking Ryan Clockburner. He has a ton of length, but you know his foot speed is very slow. Um, no hate to Ryan Clockburner who brings a lot of other stuff to the table, but Nate Watson it has a little bit better foot speed. So I'm a, and he gives you a ton on offense when you need it. So I'm gonna go Nate Watson. Um. My final pick, I'm going to take America's favorite college basketball player, Javon Freeman Liberty. Oh, I forgot. And I'm going to play him at the three. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna have a pretty big team. Um, but how can you argue with the guy who is – it's either him or Champagne right now based on today's game. Um, I think it might be Javon moved in front of him. Uh, the One of the better scores in the Big East and plays some defense. So. And a great rebounder for his yeah. – uh, you know, for playing a guard position. He rebounds really well, so you're slotting him in at the 30, but he'll I'm still rebound well for three. a 3. So, um, and then who are you going to – wait. Oh, what? See, so you get the first pick of the coach. No, I'm, I think I'm going to take fine. first Go pick. Ahead. Uh, this is tough because there's the guy that you want to coach your team this year, and then there's the guy that you want to coach your team every year. I'm sorry, Providence fans. I can't go against Jay Wright. <laughs> I mean, he's a legend, blue blood coach. I think Ed Cooley's as good as they come. I love Ed Cooley. Um, but, man, I don't know how you can go without Jerry. Yeah, I agree. I would have gone with Wright also, especially combining Wright and Gillespie again. But you make it easy for me. I'm going to go Ed Cooley. I think yeah. he actually runs really good sets uh, for the team I have. He has kind of that, that mindset that I would need um, where my team has pretty, you know, a true five, a true four, and all that. So, All right, to recap, Ryan took Colin Gillespie, Jared Roden, Justin Lewis, Daryl Morsell, and Nate Watson with Ed Cooley coaching it. And the team that's going to be beating that team is Tyler's team of Posh Alexander at the point, Justin Moore at the, at the two, Javon Freeman-Liberty at the three, Ryan Hawkins at the four, and Adama Sinogo at the five. Did we even one two Villanova players, one Seton Hall player, two Marquette players, one and Providence UConn. player, one St. John's player, one DePaul player, one Creighton player, one UConn player? That's pretty, pretty even um, considering... Yeah, who no. are we missing there? Georgetown Butler. Georgetown Butler, um, Xavier. Xavier. Georgetown Butler, Xavier. I would have taken Jack Nungy a week ago when he was shooting well from three. Um, hard to take him at the moment. And Colby Jones, yeah, not we're that far off of my list. Colby Jones was incredible against Seton Hall, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah. Uh, if, we're, if we're going six men, Colby Jones coming off the bench. Yeah. And also, I mean, there are a lot of people we left out. I mean, to not put RJ Cole on this list of the season he's had it was tough. Yeah. Uh, I think four people on Providence could be put on a list. I would love to bring A.J. Reeves off the bench. Love to have Justin Manaya. Yeah, J- Justin Manaya, A.J. Reeves. I mean, that we're going off the last three games, I'm taking Jared Bynum and oh, I'm taking yeah. him over everyone. Well, that's a great point. Um, you know, Creighton, you get Cockbrenner if you wanted some defense in the post yeah. um, that we missed. And, you know, we don't even have Julian Champagne on one of our teams. So I'm sure people will think, um, have their own opinions about what you should do. But do it with a friend, figure out what you would do, and then – before. Yeah. You're gonna come at us. Tell yeah. us what Who you are. Your five. Don't just tell and us don't t- and you can't just take the five best players because you're drafting. Um, I did want to also. I wanted to make per. Well, 
Mm, we can do that differently. Um, the biggest tournament, obviously, is starting next week. Now, March 9th, um, in, in 10 days. Um, right now, we would see Providence in the first... Well, right now, it would be the 8-9 matchup, which would be... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8... Butler, Xavier. Xavier Butler. I thought we could do a mock filling this out real quick. And who you think would win. I'm just going to throw you on the hot spot. All right. So okay. who, who are you taking? Xavier Butler. Xavier. Rapid fire. Xavier. All right. Xavier Butler and then Providence Xavier. Round three. I'm taking Providence. I think it's a close game. Uh, well, it just was a close game this week. But give me Providence again. Um. All right. Now we're going to the 4-5. And this is just where they are right now. I'm sorry. Things could change if Creighton beats UConn. Um, but I'm just going off where they are. Creighton Marquette, 4-5. Give me Marquette. So you have Marquette, Providence in the quarterfinals. Um, one of the only three teams to beat Providence. In the semifinals, semifinals, sorry. All right, let's go to the bottom half of the bracket. I'm not going to waste your time. Whoever's playing Georgetown, you're going to pick the team that's playing Georgetown. Yes, I believe they'll complete the perfect season. Um, Xavier DePaul. Oh, it- did I just say Xavier for another one, though? Yes, you did. Um, St. John's DePaul. Oh, rematch. I don't know what DePaul's got on. To- no, St. John's got on the first time, right? So. Yeah. Uh, DePaul's been playing better recently. I go DePaul. Um, I miss Butler somewhere in here. Uh, did I? No. No, I said them in 8-9. All right, so right now you have... Okay, so then it would be UConn versus whoever's playing Georgetown, who I just said is going to be Seton Hall. UConn, Seton Hall? Yep. Well, they split the season series. But one was played with Bryce Aiken and one was not. That's true. Um I think UConn. Uh, so you're you're running. Can certainly ch- see that going either way, though. You're running chalk right now. Then you have Villanova playing. Who did you take in the St. John DePaul game? DePaul. So you have Villanova playing DePaul. Villanova. So right now you have the top four going to there. So you have Providence versus Marquette. Marquette, and you have UConn versus um, Villanova. UConn Nova third matchup. Split that one too. One. They both won at home. On the neutral site, give me Jay Wright. I'm not betting against him. Um, and then Providence versus Marquette. Right now, the way Marquette's playing, I'm going Providence. All right, and then Providence Nova for the Big East Championship. <laughs> give me Jay Wright. I think we've been saying that all season, though. I think We're not that, gonna, none of us are going to bet against I think until Jay, Jay Wright loses in the Big East Championship, I know he did last year, but I think that's still... Um, I like. He Robinson. didn't have Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, last year, also. But no, he didn't have Gillespie last year. Jerry. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Jerry played in the. Yeah. Um, he left. But Gillespie tore his MCL. Right. So, uh, all right, that's our little uh, big e- Big East preview. And then the only other thing I wanted to do, which I just closed out of, so that was smart, Tyler. Um, rankings. We're we're in the prediction right now game because we are on Sunday. Normally we record Monday after. Um, this so Villanova was number eight. eight. Uh, yes. Providence was number eleven. No, no. Yes, I'm yes. sorry. Yes. UConn was twenty one, and Marquette was the first out. So, what do you see for movement there? Um, I see Providence back in the top ten. Uh, like nine, you think? Well, actually, didn't six of the top ten teams lose? The top six teams all lost. I could see One, Providence two. as a top. Top five? Seven, top five. Yeah, they'll be right in there because they didn't lose, so they're just going to move right up. Villanova shouldn't suffer too much. They lost to a ranked UConn. Um, they were eight. I think they'll stay under 12. 
Um, I had them at 11, and I had Providence at 9, so we're kind of on the same page so far. And then UConn was 21. UConn won two games this week. Probably, yeah, but one against Georgetown. So UConn won a game and a half this week. So it'd probably come down to 16, 17. And that's exactly. the top 10. And I had Marquette as ranked. Um, after, you know, they beat Butler, they were the first team out. I think enough teams lost uh, that, you know. But you also are going to have some teams move up. St. Mary's was ranked, you know, 23rd, and they just beat Gonzaga. Um, you had certain teams lose um, that were in front of Marquette. So, you know, it'll be close to see if, you know, if they can sneak into the top 25. So we, we're going 16 UConn, top Eight team Providence, like around eleven for Villanova, yep. and then we're thinking maybe Marquette sneaks in the twenty fifth. All right, uh, Ty, you want to take a look at the week that's coming up? All right, the week that is coming up, Tuesday, March first, two thousand and twenty two. We have the Providence Friars going to play Villanova at the Fin. Probably the game of the week. Don't want to spoil that. Wednesday, the people decided that Ryan and I don't need to sleep. So they'd put on four Big East games. Uh, you're going to start with Xavier at St. John's, unless this is written wrong, um, at 6.30. Georgetown's going to be visiting the hall at 7 at the Prudential Center. Um, I found a new website, if you can't tell, because I'm reading where they are playing now, and it's much easier to read. I could also read you what TV station they're on, if you would like, next time. Um, UConn is going to be playing Creighton uh, for the three seed in the tournament, assuming that both teams win their next matchup. Although I think, do think Creighton plays Seton Hall, so that would be a tough one. I can also look if I wanted to. Yes, they do. Um, UConn plays Creighton in Omaha. Marquette goes and plays DePaul. Then there is no Big East basketball on Thursday or Friday. And Saturday, senior days for all of these, I'm guessing. Um, Villanova will travel and play at Butler, the, the Hinkle Field House. Seton, will, Seton Hall will travel to Creighton. DePaul will travel to UConn for senior day. We're sure of that because we will be at the game saying goodbye to the seniors for UConn. Georgetown will travel to Xavier where they would have a lot of seniors to say goodbye to as well. Um, we'll see if Georgetown can complete the perfect season um, without a win in conference play. And St. John's will be playing Marquette at 9 o'clock for the last game. So we have five games on Saturday and four games on Wednesday. Um, so it's one of those weeks if you don't want to tune in every day for college basketball, but you got two free days, this is this would be the day for you. Yeah, I hate that breakup just because it's impossible to watch all the games Wednesday. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is what we do. That's why we're here. So... I would love to watch all the games. We'll go, we'll go Xavier, St. John's, and then we'll uh, probably have to switch. Well, we're going to definitely watch UConn yep. So those are the two we'll get. We'll probably miss the George Sunstein Hall and Marquette DePaul game during that time. Uh, I don't even have to ask a game of the week. Oh, it's Providence Villanova. I don't know if Providence is going to play all their players. You brought that up earlier because they've already secured the regular season championship. Yeah. I hope they do, just because it will be incredible basketball, uh, high-level basketball. So I think they have to play their best players only because it's such a thing for seeding for the actual tournament. While they sure the Big East tournament is, that's not their the end goal for anyone. Um, it is to win a national title. I think that if you don't go and play your best players and lose that game because of that, uh, your seeding will be messed up, your net will be messed up, all that stuff they look at. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised maybe Al Durham gets less minutes, right. you know, in a game like that. But I, I also do expect them to come out and play, you know, of uh, play their starters for most of the game. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and try for it. Uh, it's not like baseball where they can just rest until the postseason now. Game of the week for you? I, I don't think so. If I or it's that one. Um, but if I had to go the second game of the week, 
um, on the fly here because I would have only really said that one. Seton Hall, Creighton. I'm really interested to see what Creighton is. Um, are they that team that showed a lot of guts winning that St. John's game? Or are they kind of that team that looked inferior against Providence and lost by 21? Um, I don't know how much this Nemhard thing affects them. I mean, I know how much the Nemhard thing affects them, but can they fight back from it at all? It's a tough ask when you miss your point guard with only two games to go. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in all Creighton games. UConn plays Creighton. I think that's a very big game, too. They're playing for the three seed. Um, again, you want to stay off that 4-5 line because um, you're going to be playing a 5 instead of the 6, um, and you're going to be playing the 1 the week after. Right. Um, although I do think you know, playing Providence or Nova, you're just picking your poison at that point for the second round. Um, I'm, I might rather play Providence, which they... I know Providence is one here. <laughs> Providence fans are one here. Um, but I, you know, if you, you want to stay off that 3 line, I think, or you want to stay on that 3 line, um, and they have a chance to do that with a win on Wednesday. Last week of regular season, Big East College Basketball of 2021-2022 season. Um, anything you're going to miss off the top of your head? Uh, oh, watch. When these kids get eliminated, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's the last time we're going to see a lot. We're probably never going to see Julian Champagne. probably going pro after this. Con Gillespie doesn't have Con- any more years Gillespie, of eligibility. Gillespie's gone. Daryl morsell has gone. Jack Nungy's probably gone. I mean... You know, you're looking at these guys playing the last game. I mean, even for us, just we've watched Isaiah Whaley and Tyler Polly at UConn play for five years. The next game that they lose after Saturday, well, no, they can lose a Big East game and a, but, but you're gonna get a loss, and they're never you're never gonna see them probably play basketball again. Um, and that's always sad when something comes to an end like this. Um, we've had a lot of fun this year, especially. Yeah, you the know, NCAA tournament's so bittersweet if you follow college basketball closely all year long because there's so much more turnover in college basketball than in pro sports. So as the year ends, you know that you know the, the teams are going to fundamentally yeah. change going into the next year, which is exciting, but you'll always miss those, uh, you know, the teams that you got attached to. Uh, I think Paul Scruggs is done after this year. I mean, everyone at Providence is done after this year. I mean, Nate Watson's done. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, Reeves is done. You know, I don't know if I Bynum. think Manaya was a fifth year this year. Uh, I yeah. think he transferred from a mid major. Um, no Horkler. Like it's just you're you're gonna be missing a lot of people um, that you've kind of grown up liking, and I think this year was more fun because these kids had been around for you know so many years. He came from South Carolina. We could call SEC schools mid majors, right? Oh, apologies. Yeah. No, no, I think we should call SEC schools. Okay. There you go. Um, I think this year was more fun too because you got to know the players so well. Right. Um. Because last year didn't count as a year of eligibility against anyone. Um, yeah. This offseason is going to be, I think, one of the more fascinating things. I think coaches really realize what a transfer can do. Look at Daryl Morsell, look at Ryan Hawkins, look at Justin Manaya. Um, they've really realized that if they, they're going to have to start recruiting from other schools and transfer portal. And I'm interested to see, you know, what some disgruntled players. Is Amina Muhammad going to transfer? Is he going to go pro? Is it? I've still seen him in the late second round. I don't know if he comes back to try to become a lottery pick Why would you? Year. Why would you? But, like, I don't mean this in a rude way to – I guess I kind of do. Why would you come back – sorry, I just kicked everything. Why would you come back to Georgetown? I mean, what do you see about Georgetown next year that makes you want to come back? Um if you're going to go somewhere, go somewhere where they can actually right. explore that talent. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, does Patrick Ewing keep his job? Um, what kids decide to say? I mean, you're going to have a bunch of kids who have played four years at school who have another year of eligibility that they've never had before. I mean, RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin, for us at least, as UConn fans, 
are they going to say that? Because that changes the whole landscape of a team. If UConn goes in next year with a freshman or a sophomore starting point guard or a, you know, a sophomore playing where Tyrese is playing, I mean, it just changes a whole entire team, you know. Think about where Villanova would be this year without Gillespie coming yeah. back. And I, I'll leave it at um, Con Gillespie will go down as one of the greatest Big East players of the last 20 years oh, yeah. um, in terms of greatness. Uh, and, you know, he, he wins the national championship and all that stuff. He's been part of so many runs. Um, so you're not going to see kids like you are going to see certain players stay for four years or, you know, in Gillespie's case, five, but you're not going to see it often. So no. it's always impressive when you see that, take advantage of it. Um, you know, hopefully kind of like Luca Garza last year, whatever Gillespie does, he's going to be successful at. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Big so. East basketball is fun. And, uh, we still got, we, now we're going down to the really fun part, although it is, you're starting to see a finish line where, uh, that it does. Yeah, not sure what we're gonna do with our time. Um, Please, baseball, come back. Not sh- figure it out. I want to turn my phone on after this, and baseball's back. Figure it out for all, for me and for my the sake of my relationship too, because we can't spend that much time together. All right, thank so. you everybody for listening to another week of the Big East Barroom. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the content and uh, you know get in the comments, get in the mentions, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, as always. Oh yeah, and Shabazz Napier talked to us this week. Yeah, so that's we pretty made, freaking cool. So we made it cool. Thanks for pulling up the store, everyone.